So we are looking at the figure of Zechariah, who, as we've already been told this morning, is the father of John the Baptist. And as I was reading the scripture again, even this morning, uh, found in the Gospel of Luke, uh, it's interesting to me that this story appears pretty much straight away. And I've never noticed that this story appears so quickly. Luke is uh, the master storyteller and the crafter of the story of Jesus. So it's interesting to me that he plumps the story of Zechariah pretty much from verse 5 onward. Why does he do that? What does his story signify? Well, you really need to go all the way back to the prophet Elijah with John the Baptist and the fact that it was prophesied that there would be someone who would come to prepare the people for Uh, the Messiah to be coming. In in our case, we know, of course, it was Jesus. And that would be John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is promised just as Jesus is promised. We have this little story about Zechariah. His name is a very common name. You'll find it about 30 times in the Bible. But here we actually find this little snippet of a story about this man, this man of faith. And it's a great little story before the story of John the Baptist, before the story of Jesus. It's a story of a man who was incredibly faithful, him and his wife Elizabeth. And I wonder if, like me, you've glossed over it on, as you rush toward the Messiah coming and Mary and the angels and the shepherds, and perhaps we might miss this little story. It's a reminder to me that for every single one of you, and I truly mean this, there are moments ahead of you where there will be an opportunity for you to shine. There will be a moment where God's light will shine on, in and through you, where you will have an opportunity to share your faith, where something incredible might happen, where you might see a miracle occur, a prayer answered in a way you couldn't have expected. There will be a moment of divine light that will shine in and through you. And perhaps some things will come together. Perhaps a prayer will be answered. And that's this story of Zechariah. And I think it's awesome that we get to stop and linger and think about him for a few moments, the next few moments. I haven't got the scripture up on screen. It's a long one. Uh, But you're very welcome to follow along. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5. I'd like to read you the first part of the story. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple. For his, orders, for his order was on duty that, that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing in the, to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. 
and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with people, sorry, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realised from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Indeed, it was a source of shame in those days and in that time for, to not have children. Children were considered to be a blessing from God. And here is Zechariah the priest. And Luke just weaves this story. And there's two major tensions uh, in this story that he, that he writes about. Perhaps the, f- the fact that they don't have children is the most obvious one. And we'll deal with that in a moment. But there is a second tension which... If you look at the scripture and you unpack it and you look at a bit of the history and the culture and the temple, there's another tension there as well. But the most obvious thing, of course, is that they are both very old and they have served God faithfully. They're called faithful and righteous people and they've served God all their lives. Zechariah as a priest in the temple. What's interesting is the Bible says on this day, they chose by lot for him to go into the sanctuary. And I want to talk a little bit about that. As a priest, and there were actually thousands of priests, you got one day of your life, if chosen, you can only do it once, you're allowed to go into the sanctuary. The sanctuary is different to the Holy of Holies. If you If you're not aware, basically you have the temple, you have the outer courts where the people would come and gather for worship. Then you would have the sanctuary. The sanctuary, you had to step into the sanctuary and only a priest was only allowed to go in there one day of his life and he would go in there and he would light incense and the people would worship when they smelt the incense. This was Zachariah's moment. He had been chosen by Lot, which basically means by chance. It was a game of chance. It could have been sticks, it could have been rocks, it could have been some other method of chance, but it was purely by chance. Or as you might think, it was actually by God's divine uh, favour that he was chosen on that day. But he had never got to do this before. And this was a privilege and this was a highlight. And what would happen was he would go into the sanctuary, it was a darkened room, there would be an altar there, and just beyond that room was the Holy of Holies. He would go and he would see the curtain. He would not be allowed to go in the Holy of Holies. That was the high priest's job once a year, to go in and offer sacrifice for the people. But twice a day, one of the priests would go in. They'd be accompanied by two people, one of them carrying charcoal, one of them carrying incense. They would walk into the sanctuary. The priest... In this case, Zechariah would put the charcoal on the altar. Then he would get the incense and he would put the incense on the charcoal. The smell would come up and permeate and the smoke all throughout the Holy of Holies and then out into the outer gathering as well. 
And the idea was when the people smelt the incense, they knew it had been lit and they would then wait for the priest to come out. He would pronounce a blessing and then the service, the worship service, if you like, would start. They would sing, they would hear the scriptures, they would praise God, they would offer sacrifice at that point and they would wait for that smell, for that smoke to come wafting over. So they're all sitting outside and the Bible says there's a great crowd gathered outside. This is Zachariah's moment. He's been chosen. Finally, he gets a chance to go in and light the incense, come out, bless the people, and then the people would worship. This is, this is his career highlight. That's not how it happens. An angel comes up, and you can just imagine that darkened room, and you can imagine the fear that he, that he feels. And in that moment when the, the angel turns to him and says, your prayers have been answered, he must have been wondering what prayers the angel was talking about. Because we know by this stage, him and Elizabeth were very advanced in years. Was he still offering a prayer that they would have a baby? As he had been praying many, many years before. In that moment, the prayers that they offered were actually prayers for the nation. They would actually go and they would pray for the nation, similar to uh, other prayers throughout the whole of the scriptures where you would pray for Israel. And perhaps they would pray that Israel would be freed. And perhaps they were praying that the Messiah would come. But it's really interesting to me that actually the angel says, your prayers have been answered. And he's talking about a prayer that Zechariah had offered many, many years ago that him and his wife would have a child. Zechariah's response, super interesting. I don't believe you. I don't believe this can happen. The angel's response, I am Gabriel. And we know the name of Gabriel. There's two angels in the Bible whose names we know. Perhaps Gabriel was one of the seven angels mentioned in the book of Revelation. He is an angel that would come and he would announce the good news to Mary. He was the angel that stood in God's presence. He was an important angel. And he's like, don't you know who I am? Don't you know the God whom I serve? And you are doubting this promise that I'm giving to you? Zachariah's thinking about himself and he's thinking about how old he is and he's thinking about how old his wife is and he's thinking about the fact that he prayed that prayer years ago and it's never been answered. And then the angel is there right in front of him and he dares to question the angel. Was it a punishment that he was struck dumb and couldn't speak? By the way, the Bible doesn't say that he was struck deaf, which is interesting when we read the next part of the story. We'll come to that. But he's struck dumb and he can't speak. Was it a punishment or was it just that the angel didn't want to hear from him anymore? That's enough. Are you really going to question God? Isn't it interesting when we try to apply this story, particularly the area of prayers to our own life and praying? When I think about the infinite, eternal nature of God, does God remember every single prayer you've ever prayed? And ever uttered? Does he remember the prayer you gave 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? He certainly hasn't answered yes to all your prayers. 
and all the things you've dreamed and hoped and wished for haven't come true and may not. But God has remembered all those prayers and all the things you've asked for and the cry of your heart and the prayers that you've offered up to God. He has remembered those things. The angel turns to Zechariah and he says, God has remembered your prayers. So the incense is lit. The smell has permeated out throughout the Holy of Holies. The people are outside and they're wondering why Zechariah hasn't come out. Maybe he's old. Maybe he's fallen over. Maybe there's been an accident. We can't go in there. What do we do? And finally he comes out and he gestures and perhaps he tells the story of how he's been promised this baby. Perhaps the word permeates throughout the place. Don't forget there was... Hundreds, perhaps thousands of people there gathered to worship. The Bible says it was a great crowd. And I want us to think about this in the terms of the history of the story and the story that Luke is telling. Because John the Baptist would change the world and he would get that society and that culture and that place ready for Jesus' coming. He would be a voice in the wilderness. He would cry out, repent. And people would. But right here in this moment, Zechariah would have made a very bold claim and a claim that would have been so easy to be ridiculed. God has answered our prayers. My wife and I are going to have a baby. And people would have looked at him and they would have looked at his wife and they would have said, well, let's wait and see. Let's test this. Is God actually real? Has he actually made this promise? Or are you just an old doddery man? The Bible tells us that the people saw that he had a vision, that perhaps this is true. Because don't forget, Jerusalem, people talked, and people would have talked over the whole place, and they would have heard this story, and they would have thought about this story, and they would have wondered, is Elizabeth actually going to be pregnant? And she goes into five months' seclusion. Would it happen? Would God answer his prayer? Would it be true? Do you see that in the context of the whole Jesus story, God is actually preparing the nation for a miraculous time? And this story is part of that story. Can an old man and an old woman have a baby? The birth of Jesus is foretold. You can read about it in Luke 1. Mary visits Elizabeth. The the baby jumps and, and all the rest. But I want to skip down to verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight years old, what did they do? They go back to the scene of the crime. They bring the baby back to the temple to be dedicated. I just want you to imagine the fact that that There would have been the same people there back then when the promise was made and now the same crowd has gathered and Zechariah and Elizabeth bring this baby to present to the temple. The prayers that he had offered had been answered. The word that God had had given had been delivered. When the baby was eight years old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. 
What? They exclaimed. There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a tablet, which I always find a little bit amusing. He motioned for a tablet. Was it an Apple or a Samsung guy? What's going on here? That joke wouldn't have worked 100 years ago. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. It was actually a piece of wood with wax on it. And they would write on, on the wax. That's actually what it was. His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again. And he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news, the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Do you see? I've never seen that before. I've never thought about that before. This was the foretaste. This was God preparing the nation for the Messiah to come. Everyone had heard this bold claim. Now everyone was seeing that promise delivered. There was an angel in the sanctuary next to him. It must have been true. Here's the baby. What's this baby going to be? Who is he going to be? What's he going to do? This was public. Awe fell upon the whole neighbourhood. Awe. The news of what had happened spread throughout the Indian hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a very special way. Interesting that they, you know, isn't it interesting that someone is, um, can't speak, they're dumb, we instantly presume that they're deaf as well. This is what the crowd did with Zechariah here. The Bible doesn't tell us he was deaf. Maybe he was old and maybe his hearing was going. We're not told that. But they motioned to him and he motions back to them and he writes on the tablets, no, his name is going to be John. Not a name that anyone had expected. It was unexpected in the story. Who is this child going to be? There are going to be moments in your life, and I really believe this, where unexpected things are going to happen in unexpected ways and where God is actually going to give you a word. And sometimes the word, where did that come from? Why is God saying this to me? What is going on? I think we have to be very careful with that. I sometimes talk to people and they say, well, God has said this to me or God has said no to me. And I'm thinking, well, how does that line up? Sometimes what we think is God speaking to us is actually what we want and it's our desire and it's what we think would be good for us. That's not the way it always is. Sometimes the prayers we pray are not what God wants for us. But let us stop and let us reflect and let us think, is there something unusual happening here? Is there something different? Is there something that is sure? Is this God? Do you believe, I'm asking you a question to answer in your own minds, Do you believe that what I said before was true? Do you think that there are going to be ahead of you in your life moments where the Spirit of God will break in and do something incredible? Will there be moments where you'll feel and sense that light, a moment of shine for you? Some people have that just once in their life. It's not that God isn't with them in 
in ways and means. It isn't that God provides for them. But I truly believe that there are moments ahead of you where you will sense the presence of God in a very special way and something will happen and you'll see God do something. God is infinite, eternal and keenly interested in you. God has heard every single prayer you've ever uttered. Don't give up. I was talking to someone the other day and it was an interesting conversation and we were talking about some history and we were talking about some tragedy that had happened in their lives and some people that had gotten sick and they'd prayed and the person hadn't been healed. And their conclusion to me was, was, well, God doesn't intervene in those things. God doesn't work. The, the natural process just follows and God allows that to happen. And I wanted to say, yes, but God is a God that intervenes. And I want to say to you, if you, if you, if you are questioning whether God works in your life, the first thing I want to say to you is, well, are you praying about it? Are you actually seeking him for that? Are you bringing that before him? That is your first step. If you're not doing that, you cannot complain about the fact that he's not intervening in your life. So I want to bring you up and I want to bring some hope and I want to say there are moments ahead of you where God will work in your life. He will. And there are moments ahead of you where he will answer your prayers in surprising, unexpected ways that you hadn't thought of. Be very careful if you think God is saying no. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Michelle has already read part of it. And he gave us this prophecy, this song, this hymn. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty saviour from the royal line of his servant David. Is he talking about his son? I don't think he is. He's talking about Jesus. Just as he has promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies, from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have, rescued, we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. He saw something. That the Messiah was there and ready. Had he seen this stuff happen? No. But he prophesies and he sings it as though it has happened. His faith was strong. He believed in God. And he could say this had happened even though it hadn't happened yet. Because it had happened. And then, in what is a beautiful personal moment, and I'm imagining him there with his son on the steps of the temple, and he's holding his son in his hands. He's an old man. Hopefully he's holding tight. And, and he's looking down at his son that he never thought he would have. He never thought this prayer would be answered. That time had gone. And you, my little son, do you see the personal nature of this? You, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. His son wasn't going to be the Messiah, but he was going to have a role to play. 
You see, God answered his prayer that he would have a child and his prayer that the nation would be saved. And God answered the prayer, the two different prayers in the same one way. God answered his prayer and the answer to his prayer went way beyond what Zechariah and Elizabeth could ever have dreamed of. I'm going to give you a son, but I'm going to give you so much more than a son. I'm going to give you the forerunner to the Messiah. And I think there, in fact, I know there's a principle here. Sometimes our prayers are way too small and God wants to answer our prayers in a greater way than we could have ever dreamed or imagined. We pray for something and we pray for something small. And perhaps we do that because we think our God is small. And perhaps because we don't think our God is interested in our lives. In fact, God has something great for you. And the answers to, to the prayers you offer can be answered in extraordinary ways. You will tell his people, looking down at his little baby, baby boy, you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. John grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. Just a beautiful story about an ordinary priest and an old woman and an old man who pray to an extraordinary God and God answers their prayers in extraordinary ways. And it's a very encouraging story. John the Baptist would actually turn the hearts of the people and the people would get ready for the Messiah to come. We perhaps miss this part of the story that thousands of people would come out from the desert to see John and thousands of people would repent and they would be baptised, a symbol of turning and getting their hearts ready The nation was actually getting ready for Jesus. And the Easter story, the story of the crucifixion, so often we focus on the fact that people hated him and they spat at him and they did all those things. We forget the fact that actually so many and thousands of people turned to Jesus as well. And part of that was because of what John the Baptist did in ploughing the soil, getting the nation ready. And part of it goes back to his father, Zachariah and Elizabeth, who were faithful and had this divine moment happen in their lives.